Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is so wonderful to see you here this morning. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor. If you're visiting for the first time, a special welcome to you. And my hope is this. And, and my prayer is that by the time you leave church today here at E-Free Church, that you will have experienced the, the warmth of Jesus Christ in this place. And I trust you will, because we have some kind people here, and God has blessed our church with wonderfully kind people, and so we pray that you will enjoy your visit here. Well, we are in the middle of a series called The Church, Nature, Purpose, Function. And uh, today I've titled my message, the Importance of Corporate Worship, Part 1. So if you want the full story, you have to come back next week, all right? So there's no option. So you have to come back next week to hear Part 2. But we're starting this two-part mini-series within our larger series on the importance of corporate worship. And we're covering it over two weeks because... Today, as part of our discussion, we're including the subject of baptism. We'll talk about baptism throughout this service. Next Sunday happens to be the first Sunday of May. And here at Ephraim Church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We partake in communion on the first Sunday of every month. And so next Sunday, we'll talk about the Lord's Supper as it relates to corporate worship. And that's why we're covering this over two weeks. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are two vitally important components of corporate worship. And we'll talk about other important elements as well. But before we get too far into today's message, I want to direct your attention to our baptism tank up here. At the beginning of every year, we schedule baptism services to take place on certain Sundays. Those are already pre-scheduled. And the reason we do that is that we want to give you the opportunity to be baptized. So we want to make sure if you'd like to be baptized, water is here. So there's no obstacle for you to be baptized. Now on some baptism Sundays, as you may have experienced, We'll, we'll have many people being baptized. There are some, certain Sundays where the stage is packed full of people to be baptized. That's exciting. Other Sundays, maybe we see one or two being baptized. Equally exciting. And on occasion, some Sundays, maybe the water stays still. Guess what? That's equally to be celebrated because regardless of how many are baptized, the point is, it is so important for us to have this ready and available for you to be baptized. And we're excited because later in our service, we're going to see two baptisms. At the very least, one of those persons signed up to be baptized. And so that person was ready to be baptized before today. The second person came to our 9 o'clock service. She came with her family. And she heard the message, and she heard about the invitation. If you'd like to be baptized, hey, we've got a shirt for you. We've got shorts. We've got a towel for you. So there's nothing preventing you from being baptized. And guess what? After, sec after first service, she came to me and said, I'd like to be baptized in the 1045 service. So why not join them? If there's anyone here who has given your life to Jesus Christ, 
and you have not yet publicly declared that before your church family, today could be the day. Prayerfully consider that. But it's important to know what baptism does not do. Baptism does not save a person. Baptism is a public demonstration of a life given over to Jesus. And so salvation precedes baptism. When we immerse a person down into the water and that person comes up, that act does not save that person. That person has a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when that person is baptized, that is a public demonstration of that person's inward faith. And so we'll talk more about that throughout this message. So if you are thinking about baptism today, there's nothing to prevent you from being baptized. But for some, there's a question to be asked even before that, and that is, ask God today, is today the day, God, that you have appointed for me to give my life to Jesus? We want to give you that opportunity later in our service as well. For now, I want to set the stage for the next two messages by defining the term corporate worship. It's very important that you and I understand what corporate worship is if we want to be able to fully understand God's will for his church here. So here is our definition of corporate worship. And that's this. Corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church to the triune God. I'm going to say that again, but this time I'd love your help. So wherever you're seated, please say this along with me. Say it with confidence and boldness on the count of three. One, two, three. Corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church to the triune God. This is essential theology. This is absolutely essential. It is a non-negotiable for the Christian. And every part of the definition that we just recited holds weight. There is significance in this definition. And that is why we're going to take time to unpack this important concept. First of all, we talked about how corporate worship is our response. It is the proper response. Did you know that when we come to church on a Sunday morning to worship God, did you know that we do not initiate worship? to God. When you came through those doors, you were not initiating worship to God. God does the initiating. We respond. Even if you thought that today, I'm going to go and seek out God today. No, 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 no. He prompted your heart to come here. He made it so that you would be here today. He initiated, you responded. So when we worship God corporately, he calls, we answer. He commands, we obey. He speaks, we listen. It's never the other way around. He initiates, we respond. So what does that mean then? If we don't join together in corporate worship. What it means is this. We fail to obey God's call. If we don't gather together, we fail to obey his call. Now at this point, I want to make sure that we understand something very important. In 2020, 
when most corporate gatherings of every kind around the world were put on hold, paused, prohibited, our church honored those orders. In fact, it was important that we honored those orders and those mandates. You see, because our calling throughout the pandemic and throughout every season in life is to love our neighbor, is to be the best possible neighbor to our community, our loved ones, and those in need. It's never the church's priority to demand rights. And that is why throughout the height of the pandemic, we made it a priority to honor the directives of our public officials. And we all work together to do that. And I can't thank you enough, church, for doing your part in honoring those mandates and directives. I previously shared about two experiences that I had during the height of the pandemic. And I shared those with many of you. And I want to share it again. Perhaps maybe you haven't heard this. And I shared this to encourage all of you. During the height of the pandemic, I had two medical appointments that I had to attend. So I had to visit two medical professionals. And those two appointments were two weeks apart from each other. These medical professionals, they didn't know each other, but these are the professionals I see regularly. So I had to just go, it's just routine stuff. So I went to these doctor's appointments, two weeks apart from each other, at the height of the pandemic. Now, each of these professionals, they know that I'm a pastor. They know that I pastor here in Diamondvar. And during each of these visits, they asked me, Tim, how's your church doing? Because we were in the height of the pandemic. And what they were really asking was, what is your church doing? How is your church approaching this pandemic? And I said to each of them, from day one, of the pandemic, our priority has been to be the best possible neighbor to our community and to our loved ones, and to do everything we could to make sure that their needs were taken care of. And during my appointments, each of them just paused, and they looked at me in the eyes, and they said, Tim, thank you. And they said, Tim, I commend your church. And they said, Tim, please thank your church for me. And one of them then says to me, Tim, what's your church's website? I'd like to catch a message online. So church, thank you. Thank you for doing your part. And I share that because when we talk about gathering together, that season of life was unique to everybody around the world. And so no matter the season God initiates, we respond. And so in that season, we responded by setting up live stream. We didn't have live stream before the pandemic. And so our volunteers tirelessly worked to set up live stream. They set up Zoom gatherings, hybrid gatherings, and those two ministries are still in place today so that those in our church who are not able to join us in person for health reasons 
or because of distance, they can still worship with us today. Regardless of the season, God initiates and we respond. So that is an important aspect of corporate worship. Corporate worship is the proper response. We respond. Let's look again at the definition. Corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church. Let's stop right there. We'll talk about this concept of a gathered church. And to do so, I invite you to turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. We looked at this passage last Sunday, and we're going to build upon that discussion today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The author says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I want to focus in on the phrase, not giving up meeting together. The word in the original language for the term meeting together means this. It is the formal gathering of God's people for worship. It's key to know that. So in the original language, when you read Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, the original word for a meeting together refers to the formal gathering of God's people for worship. This is different than a small group that meets together. Many of you are involved with life groups throughout the week. Many of you are involved with one of our Sunday Bible fellowships. Many of you are involved with a care group here at church. Those are wonderful elements of our church. They are important. They are not corporate gatherings. Corporate worship is distinct from any small group gathering that you might take part in. The way we can look at it is this. Corporate worship what we see here on a Sunday morning is not an elective. It is not an elective. Corporate worship is not simply one of a number of different options you have to gather with people at church. Small group is important. Life group, absolutely important. Sunday Bible fellowship, care ministries, those are important gatherings. They are never the substitute for corporate worship. We cannot have a proper view of God without having a proper understanding of what it means to worship as a gathered church. And here is what happens when a church gathers. For the rest of this message and into next Sunday, I'm going to share with you what happens when a gathered people come to worship God. I'm going to share three things that happen today. I'll share more next Sunday. Number one, corporate worship allows us to hear the voice of God together through his word. Again, corporate worship allows us to hear the voice of God together through his word. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, God has filled our church with many gifted 
teachers. Throughout any given week, on any day of the week, we have gifted teachers who are teaching throughout our campus. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, in verse 42, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Church, can I say this? Your devotion to God's word, it is high. And I commend you. You view God's word high, very highly. And that is something to be encouraged by. Many of you are involved in two or three or maybe four different Bible study groups throughout the week. Many of you teach in those groups. Now, in our smaller gatherings, let's take a life group, a Sunday Bible fellowship, a uh, care group. Oftentimes you gather with that group and you study the Bible. You read a passage together, you discuss it, you do inductive Bible studies, you have a Q&A time, and that's wonderful. Corporate worship is distinct from all other forms of Bible study. It is absolutely distinct because here's what happens. Corporate worship brings together the entire church to simultaneously listen to the voice of God through his word. I wish you could come up here and look out at all of you. It is wonderful to see. We have people of all stages in life, ages and stages, represented here in this corporate gathering. And what happens is when we come together simultaneously and hear the word of God together at that very moment, something powerful happens. You know, when we come together, every now and then, you'll hear something spoken from the stage, and every now and then, I'll hear like an amen. Every now and then, I'll hear someone say amen or amen. The word amen means this. It is so. So be it. I agree with you. That's right. Preach. So when you say amen, here's what you're doing. You are in agreement with the word of God. Now, it's possible that you're sitting there silently, maybe with a slight nod to your head. Yeah, that was right. I agree with that. Internally, you are in agreement. But did you know that when you hoard your amens, when you keep your amens to yourself, those around you cannot join you in agreement. Thank you. <laughs> and when you say amen, it makes your, pre your pastor preach better too. So, in all seriousness, when we call out amen, biblically speaking, it is saying, so be it. It is as you said. I agree with you. So there's no point in hoarding our amens. When you say amen, someone else is blessed by your amen. 
Beyond that, when we come together as a gathered church and we listen to God's voice together through his word, not only does it encourage one another, it also convicts us. It convicts us. And when we gather together corporately and we hear some truth, sometimes here's what happens. There's a hush that comes over the worship center. When some truth is spoken, and sometimes it's a hard truth, sometimes I'll hear a hush. That's the Holy Spirit convicting his church collectively. And when we come together collectively, the Spirit can move us to repentance, and he can move us to action. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, this can be done in any setting. God's Word does all that in any setting. Something happens when a gathered community is convicted by God's Word. Something powerful happens. Together, we are moved. And yes, together, we can corporately repent. And yes, together, we can corporately move to action. And so corporate worship, it, it allows us together to hear the voice of God through his word as one unified body. There's a second thing that happens, and that's this. Corporate worship anticipates our worship experience in heaven. Corporate worship anticipates our worship experience in heaven. In eternity, we will worship God with all believers from all time. We heard that earlier in the reading of God's word. The heroes of the faith, all together we'll worship God. That's going to be awesome. Here's what corporate worship does here on earth. Corporate worship on earth, it anticipates what we will experience in heaven. In Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 3, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. What we have here is Isaiah's preparation to fulfill his call as a prophet and to prepare the people of God for the coming judgment. As Isaiah is worshiping in the temple, something happens. God gives Isaiah a vision of his glory. By the way, that phrase, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, it is echoed in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Isaiah was given a glimpse of what worship in heaven will be like, and it's going to be awesome. 
Now, in a world where we use the word awesome for anything, oh, you're so awesome, you're awesome, your shoes are awesome, everything's awesome. We use the word awesome so easily. Worship in heaven is going to be awesome. Now, here's my question for you. If worship in heaven is going to be awesome, and it will be, and if corporate worship anticipates our heavenly worship, shouldn't we then take the utmost care when we come together for corporate worship? Did you know that when we come together for corporate worship, Every one of us is a participant. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're on the stage or in the booth or seated in one of those chairs out there. Every one of us is a participant. Our worship arts ministry, they work tirelessly to prepare for Sunday because they are ready to worship the best. So they gather on Saturday morning, every Saturday, and they rehearse so they can present an excellent worship to God because he deserves the best. Those who prepare all the visual graphics and the lyrics and the lights and the announcements and the message and everything else, they do it with wholehearted excellence because we worship the best. And that ought to go for every single one of us. So when we come together, God deserves our best. I encourage you, church, to arrive early on Sundays. I love it when I see those of you who arrive early, and I know who you are. So thank you. Because I get to talk with you before service, and I get to kind of catch up, even if it is for a couple minutes. Those are important opportunities. I love it when you take your place in time for the countdown. Some of you are like, we have a countdown? <laughs> we actually have a countdown video, but you would only know it if you were here before service starts. So on the screen, at five minutes before service, it counts down five minutes. And some of you know, because you see that video, some of you are like, oh, wow, that will be cool to see one day. So, here's what we do. Next Sunday, come several minutes early. Take your place. And here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday, we're going to count down the final 10 seconds together, okay? <laughs> and then at the count of zero, we're going to jump to our feet. And we're going to yell, Eddie, start playing. <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday. When I go to a concert of my favorite band, I make it a point to leave many hours early because I don't want to miss a single second of my favorite band. You too? Me too. <laughs> you too? And I account for even unforeseen circumstances because I do not want to miss a single Second. In heaven, we will see God's glory in his fullest. Corporate worship anticipates that. So what better way to anticipate that on a Sunday morning 
and then to come and be ready for that countdown. Here's a third thing that happens when we worship as a gathered church. Corporate worship provides the opportunity to experience three powerful symbols of our new faith in Christ. I'll say that again. Corporate worship provides the opportunity to experience three powerful symbols of our new life in Christ. We'll look at two of those symbols next Sunday when we talk about the Lord's Supper. So you kind of have an idea what those two symbols might be. Which means that today we'll talk about one of the three. And that is the powerful symbol of baptism. Church, if you are not here on a consistent, regular basis, you will miss out on baptism. You will miss out on the incredible experience of being or witnessing baptism. Jesus instructed his followers to baptize. And baptism has significance for every single one of us. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey every command, everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We baptize because Jesus instructed us to baptize. And here at our church, I'm so thankful for Pastor Kevin, Tim Callahan, our youth ministry, because they make it a point to bring the students to join us on every baptism Sunday. So in your midst are some pretty cool people right now. Our students from The Ascent. And they are here corporately to witness and experience the power of baptism. I want to go back to the definition of corporate, or corporate worship one final time. It says this. Corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church to the triune God. We worship one true God who is manifest in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And it's important to include the word triune in that definition because there are many people across the world who worship a God other than the God of the Bible. We worship one true God manifest in three persons. There is unity in diversity within the Trinity. Unity in diversity within the Trinity. And so when you look at the passage that we just read in Matthew 28, did you catch when it said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And that's because the Trinity is so uniquely and so essentially connected with baptism. When you go back to Jesus' own baptism, all three persons in the triune Godhead were actively part of that. Jesus was baptized. The Spirit descended. The Father spoke from heaven. 
And that is why we are passionate about baptism. That's why we celebrate baptism. That is why water is here. And guess what? It's not going to stay still today. The water is going to be stirred. You could be the splash zone right here. <laughs> Romans 6, verse 4 says this. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is a witness to the saving work of Jesus Christ. When a person goes under, that person identifies with the death and burial of Christ. When that person comes up from the water, that person connects with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that person is raised to new life. And so today, in just a minute, we're going to baptize two special members. At this time, I want you to, to think about an even greater question. And that is, is today the day for you to give your life to Jesus? And if so, you can begin an eternal life with Christ today. And it's possible that some of you might want to then be baptized. Today, on the spot, wonderful. We have everything you need. It's also possible that you might want to wait. It's okay, because we want this to be a prayerful decision. If you want to wait until your loved ones are here, that's okay. But we want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ today. So this time, would you bow with me? If you would like to experience eternal life to its fullest, the way God intended, you can say this prayer along with me. It is a simple prayer, but it is a genuine prayer. Pray it from your heart. Give your life to Jesus today. There's no need to wait because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. If you'd like to receive Jesus into your life today and to commit your life to him, you can say this prayer. God, I want to experience your mercy today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe you are a God who is rich in mercy. I give you my life today. Amen. If you pray that prayer, please know this. Today, you begin eternal life. The beauty of eternal life is it doesn't start when we die. It begins the moment of salvation, the moment you gave your life to Jesus. So today is your spiritual birthday. If you would like to also demonstrate your faith by being baptized, we want to give you that opportunity. Pastor Luke is standing in the back. If you didn't bring anything to be baptized in, if you'd like to be baptized right now, you can join Pastor Luke.